down women with diluted dreams of hope for joy has been washed down the stream. I'm Robin Hawkins, and you're listening to Watered Down Women. Hoping to be free, found a new home in the cemetery. Have you ever gone outside very early on a late summer morning and just watched and listened? Maybe you observed a squirrel burying his cache of winter acorns, or you counted the leaves that fell from a nearby tree. And if you remained very still and very quiet, you might have heard the soft fluttering wings of a hummingbird as she prepares herself for the long flight of winter migration. An interesting fact about hummingbirds is that they fly alone. Young hummingbirds must travel their long migratory flight without any parental guidance. That arduous journey is one that they must take completely on their own. It's believed that internal hormonal changes trigger their natural instinct to migrate, and they rely on photoperiod, or the number of hours of sunlight at a certain time of year to alert them that the season is changing. We humans also have internal triggers to alert us that a time is coming in which we too must prepare to move on. And just like our feathered friends, it's a passage that we must travel alone and we refer to our final migration as death. Although the definition of death is commonly agreed upon, the causes of death are numerous. People die from various reasons or modes, such as natural causes, terminal illnesses, accidents, someone kills them, or they kill themselves. This last method is prevalent among those categorized as deaths of despair, which theorizes that despair itself is a disease. And this condition increases a person's risk of suicide and potential for drug and alcohol overdose. A trending category known as suicide in slow motion where a person's dependence on alcohol, drugs, or risky behaviors ultimately cause that individual to die, could be categorized as the disease of despair. Death has occupied the minds of the living for several centuries, and every culture and every religion holds its own belief about the concept of death and some attempt to understand or embrace the dying process. For example, the Christian view on dying sees death as the end of a person's earthly life and the beginning of that individual's eternal life. Once the physical shell or body expires, 
the true core of one's existence, or that person's soul, is released into an eternity that will either be spent in heaven or in hell. After that person dies, Christians usually host a send-off or funeral service, which includes the singing of spiritual hymns, offerings of prayers, and a eulogy or praising of the deceased, which highlights the individual's character and accomplishments. A common phrase spoken upon the death of a Christian sums up the totality of this belief by saying that their loved one is now absent from the body and present with the Lord. An opposing view to this belief is that which is held by those of the Buddhist faith. In Buddhism, followers are taught that life and death are a continuum and that a person's spirit is given multiple cycles of life, death, and rebirth. And the ultimate objective of one's existence is to become free from samsara, or the aimless wandering through these cycles of reincarnation. In early Buddhism, monks who sought to reduce their sensual desires practiced various techniques of meditating in order to reach the stage of enlightenment, or nirvana. However, some monks, all of whom were male, lusted sexually for the naked female body, and that longing prevented them from reaching enlightenment. So they practiced a specific form of meditation in order to overcome those powerful desires. This is how the Buddhist meditational practice, known as the Nine Stages of Decay, was developed. Believing that if the monk were to actually observe the decaying process of the object of his lust, in this case the female body, he would no longer desire the sight, smell, and feel of a woman, thus allowing him to free his mind and reach the state of complete awareness. Over time, those nine stages became prominently depicted in Buddhist works of art and poetry, and most notable being found in the Japanese art of Kuzdu. In Holy Scripture, Ecclesiastes tells us that everyone, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, every single person shares a common destiny. But the author, King Solomon, also reminds us that while we are still alive, we still have hope. He states, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They receive no more rewards, and in time their names will be forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy suddenly vanish, and never again will they be a part of anything that happens under the sun.
Sir William Wallace, a resistance leader during the First Scottish War of Independence, took this notion a bit further and held the belief that a person's focus should be placed on their qualities and behavior while actually living his or her life. Sir Wallace famously stated, every man dies, but not every man truly lives. The courage and bravery of the Scottish hero was the inspiration for the movie Braveheart. Sir Wallace inspired people to stand and fight with nobility and honor. But what happens when your body betrays you? Will you have the strength or capability to die with dignity? How long will you fight to stay in the race? Or do we really even have any control in that situation? A couple of years ago, I visited with a friend who had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. We talked about the toll her illness had taken on her body and on her quality of life. She revolved between hospital stays and chemo treatments and shared that she hated putting her family through all of that. Without thinking, I told her that she wasn't putting them through anything, but that life itself was dictating what was happening. In reality, no one has power in death. I recently greeted my 59th August, and some would say that I am in the autumn season of my life. So often, we're told that death is a part of life, but I would argue that life is a part of death. Regardless of our age, we are not promised a tomorrow. If tomorrow doesn't come, what will be said of you? How will you be remembered? And what will you leave as a legacy? As season five proceeds, I encourage you to write your own obituary, not as a means of portraying yourself in a desired light or to emphasize your accomplishments, but think of it as an exercise in self-examination or as an opportunity to honestly reflect on who you truly are and who you hope to become before your obituary is published. Water down women with diluted dreams are Grab a shovel and join me each Monday as we dig a little deeper and uncover the tragedies of watered-down women. Weekend in light While searching for love No pain in this world From above